the Blinks Labs headquarters in Berlin, Germany. This is the Blinkist podcast. I'm the producer, Ben, and I'll keep this intro super short, promise. Um, we're staying in our sleep theme, continuing from that interview with Ariana Huffington that we did last week uh, and the Blinkist magazine edition on sleep and um, all this momentum we got on sleep. So today on the podcast, we have a super interesting guest named Max Kirsten. Uh, Max is a sleep coach, a hypnotherapist. Uh, he's someone who's worked with stars like Adele and Ewan McGregor. Um, he's got a few audiobooks up on Amazon that are really fascinating. Uh, I just listened to the ABCs of Sleep, for example. Uh, what's cool about it, it's not just a guide to help you sleep better. It's like a tool to help you sleep better so you can play it while falling asleep until you kind of learn the techniques. Anyway, if you're new to the Blinkist podcast, welcome. This is our home. Isn't it nice? The idea is uh, we're going deeper into the nonfiction book world to get into the heads of the inspiring and genius people who are behind these cool nonfiction books, like, for example, these books on sleep. Uh, so, yeah, in this interview, you'll hear Max and I go into stuff like uh, coffee naps. Um, we talk about one of his most difficult patients that he's treating right now. And um, I was really interested in how one even becomes a sleep coach. So that's in there. All right. Boom. That's like a 30-second intro. Nailed it. Uh, here's me talking to Max Kirsten. I was in Berlin, and uh, he was in London. Let's just jump right into it. Hope you guys enjoy. So hi, Ben. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me to come on the show. Thanks for coming on the show. This is, this is, this is great. This is our second sleep expert. How's your sleep? Are we going to talk about yours or are we going to avoid that? We can we can try. I'm pretty good. I have to say I've like especially in the past couple of weeks I've like I've been bringing a lot of stuff home of kind of like, you know, get the cell phones out and You're doing your sleep hygiene. I am. I am. I'm all about it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And have you got any devices and you know, I'm I'm not sure. I'm in the 21st century, so I think we, devices are kind of cool to have, but also, you know, the people who sleep the best don't need devices. They don't need anything. They they just sleep, don't they? Which kind of devices do you mean? Well, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of these gadgets that, you know, you can be wearing your Fitbit or whatever, and that, or you can have things that actually fit to the bed under or the pillows. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by mm -hmm. all this stuff, but I have to say I, I, I'm... I'm quite keen to keep the technology to a minimum generally. That said, I'll probably, when I get some of this kit, I'll be trying it all out and my room will be like techno jungle. <laughs> I actually did write down, uh, my, one of my questions is, do you use any of the new tech for sleep? Um, and then I wrote down besides your own app, but I realized that your own app isn't, it's not a sleep app, right? It's for uh, quitting smoking. Uh, well, actually, my sleep app, which I took down at the end of last year, I had two, but I uh, I took them down and I'm repackaging them at the moment. I also have a I have a free one that people can download, which is a, a, a thirty a sort of actually it's twenty minutes to fall asleep, a really nice thing to listen to. But the, your real question is, do I? I don't. I don't listen to myself. I think is I think there's something a little bit weird about listening to yourself. <laughs> I mean, there are those that really you don't. It. You mean you don't? You mean you don't put yourself to sleep? I do, but I don't listen to myself to do it. Who do you listen to? I don't listen to anyone. I do a sequence, and I'm, I'm going to. I'll happily. You can ask me about that. You have your own routine, right? That's true. And uh, before I became a sleep coach, I suffered 
from sleep difficulties. I, I would hesitate to say insomnia, but I certainly would say it looked like insomnia, sounded like insomnia, and probably was. Uh, it was semi-infrequent, but I found that going to bed was beginning to be something I didn't look forward to. Mm-hmm. As many, I know I treat lots of people with insomnia now and sleep re- anxiety-related sleep conditions, and I would lie in bed trying to figure out how can I fall asleep? Why am I still awake? What do I need to do? So, you know, I originally set out to conquer that for myself, and in the process of looking at everything, listening to everything, I was also training to become a clinical hypnotherapist. And in the process of all of this, I discovered how to relax at a very deep somatic level. And that became a part of it. Uh, I then created a blend of uh, techniques that I've distilled into something that I've called, that brand I call the ABC of better sleep, that is basically a sequence that you can do not to try to sleep, because that's always the thing with people who have sleep difficulties. They, they try to sleep, and people who sleep well never try to sleep. Trying to sleep is the worst thing that you can ever do. Mm-hmm. It's the same as trying to relax or trying not to think of the color red. It generally isn't very helpful. And, you know, I used to be a person that woke up in the night. Lots of people either have trouble falling asleep, which was one of my issues, thinking too much. But I almost more invariably used to wake up in the middle of the night, and then it would be like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the sort of it can be the loneliest place in the world if you wake up in the night and you feel as though everyone on, the, on this side of the planet is already unconscious <laughs> and, um, and, and and then I now have this thing that I do and I think of it more as a game it's a, it's a technique but it, it, it's a pleasurable process that feels like a game mm-hmm. so that even if I you know get out of bed and if I get back into bed, I'm not annoyed. I actually look forward to getting into the bed, getting comfortable. And that's the start, starting point is the process of the sequence that I teach people to do. So, All right. So let's let's break this down. You mentioned suffering and that you, you said you were really suffering. You didn't want to call it insomnia, but it was it looked like insomnia. What it, it's an interesting word because Ariana Huffington also used that word a lot and said, you know, there's so much unneeded suffering that we're doing to ourselves. Um, so what did wh- why did you use that word in particular? Well, I think Ariana's great, and you know, I wish I could talk to her with you as well because I'm a big fan and I love her book. I think it's great. I'm sure, but I agree. We this is we're doing this to ourselves or not we're not even aware of the effect of everything that's coming in you know and you know everywhere and I, I, caffeine is, is 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 an interesting i like caffeine but you know there's a time we should be phasing it out and there are some people it doesn't agree with um but you know towards the evening the last caffeine hit most of us should be having should be approximately eight hours before bed at least mm-hmm. um because otherwise the effects of it are going to still be there when you want to sleep. And, uh, you know, I can think of plenty of times when I've sat in a restaurant, a really nice restaurant with some nice friends, and maybe it's Friday night after a busy week, and 
someone says, you know, they said, would you like to have coffee now after your meal? And someone says, oh, yeah, I'll have a, you know, and before I, before we, we know it, we're all ordering little espressos and, I don't know, it, 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 obviously, I think, I think maybe people in the U.S. are a little bit ahead of that now, but I have to say I'm really aware how many of my friends quite happily have a coffee before bed. And, uh, you know, these are, these are the things that we do this to ourselves, I think, at our peril. Um, I mean, look, coffee and, and, and devices is only two small elements of what can lead to having sleep difficulties. Right. But, but, you know, I think anxiety, the worries of all that's happening in our, in our ever-changing world, um, and I think, you know, if sleep hygiene is a new kind of subject, I think veering away from most of the national news towards bedtime is no bad thing. So, so tell, so say something about what what sleep hygiene hygiene really kind of is, because I it's a weird term. It's you know, I don't think everybody or a lot of people who haven't aren't familiar with your work or with um, this kind of I don't know this trend of talking about sleep. Um, what is sleep hygiene, and how does how do you how do you make a good one? Well, you're right, Ben. It 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 it, it isn't what everybody's aware. Perhaps only the people with sleep difficulties. If you go, into, I assume everybody's a sleep coach, or everyone has been to see one. And of course, there are lots of people who just sleep wonderfully. They get into bed, or they can even sleep in a you know in their car parked up, or in a you know in a queue. Like some people can just sleep anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people who are who have difficulties. And you know, the first thing is to is to eliminate the externals. What can be contributing to sleep issues? And sometimes it's the last thing that people realize. I've just been doing um, a a, a sleep clinic in in London here in Shoreditch, a pop-up in in, in in something called uh, a pop-up nap station Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm sort of as a sleep ambassador for for Eve Sleep. Yeah, you know, they they sent us a mattress. They did. Yeah, we had a little nap station in the office. They're great. It's, It's really great. So that would be one of the sleep hygiene questions. You know, I want to know, what kind of bed do you sleep? What do you sleep on? What's the room like? What's the light like? That's a big one. What's the light like? Do you have a dark room? You know, how dark is it? I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, if some people have, they like the light to come through the window, which is nothing wrong with that at dawn. Some people, you know, rise at dawn and sort of go to bed when sun sets, except they don't because they're on devices. So, you know, limiting light, getting, you know, ideally black, you know, the, 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 the brain makes melatonin as the evening progresses. This is the, the, the hormone that regulates, the master hormone that regulates, you know, the, 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 the main sleep cycle. And, uh, you know, that's why coming away from screens, reducing light, lowering the light down so that the, the eyes which really do two things. Of course, we see with our eyes, but they're one of two parts of the body that has multiple function. The eyes are also a light meter, and, and the, we're not aware of this, but the optic nerve is, is regulating and uh, uh, measuring the amount of light that's coming through. And as it senses that it's getting dimmer and dimmer, this is when it's telling the body that this is, must be the time to begin to make melatonin, more and more of it, for sleep. So, you know, winding down is important, but I think having as much 
black or at least very darkened room. I personally go for total extreme black. I like to put on an eye mask. It has this foam edge around it so that zero light comes around the side of my eye mask. I mean, you know, it, it, someone could, you know, my wife could sort of open the blinds or, you know, open the skylight or something and there'd be streaming light coming into the room. And I'm in total black, unaware of the new day until I decide that I'm ready for the new day. Wow. I have a colleague who says he um, he sleeps with the curtains open because the sun wakes him up naturally. He doesn't use an alarm. Well, I think that that actually is wonderful. And to me, the romance of that is wonderful. Uh, as a parent and as a hardworking adult, and I, you know, I, I do work hard and I struggle. And if I was to just have no curtains and be waking up at, I don't know, let's, at the moment in summer, I think the sun starts to rise, certainly in London, and around, uh, around sort of 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Right. If I'm up at that time, and then I'm going to, yeah, I'm an early bird, but I think I'm more of an owl. I, I could force myself to do it, and then I've got to do all the things getting ready for the day. I've got my son to do with the school run and stuff, and then we're... And, and I'm not quite sure what happens later on in the evening. <laughs> I certainly can't go to bed when the sun sets, that's for sure. And I can't live by the circadian rhythms of just sunrise and sunset. Right. But there are those that can do it. And if they're sleeping well and they can get up with the sunrise, I admire that. So what about somebody who, um, like a snoozer? You know, somebody who who has trouble getting up or is always groggy or constantly hitting the snooze button. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's interesting with, with snoozing as opposed to napping. Napping is something you take in the afternoons and preferably for no longer than 30 minutes, 20 minutes tops. And I would love to talk to you about napping in a moment. But the snoozer is often loving, wanting that little bit more, not quite satisfied. Maybe they weren't sleeping that well earlier and they just want to try it. Maybe they weren't often the ones, I see anyway, they're the ones who kept waking in the night and lay there for an extra hour tormented. And then finally, when they do fall asleep, they so don't want to get up if they can help it. They're usually, it's usually a sign of an unsatisfied night's sleep. Mm. I now have come around to the realization of just how extraordinary sleep really is. So, uh, you know, I'm all for napping. I'm all for snoozing. Um, but, you know, I, I think napping is a, an area now, that, and certainly in business, I see more, I do more and more lectures with, with, with corporations in the city and, and you know, companies uh, for their staff. And this whole new era of napping, naps, the, the idea of having 20 minutes at work would have been unthinkable probably 10, 15 years ago. Bosses would have thought, just forget it. You know, it's it's an interruption with the work day. But now, now that there's real research, people who take short naps perform at a much higher level. Mm -hmm. And there's something. Are you familiar with the 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 coffee nap? I've only read about it. I'm not. I haven't done one. Okay. Well, it, it's something that came out of some research. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why we set up the nap station in, 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 in East London, although part of it was so that people could actually come and have a look at the various beds and things as well. But these, these pods, it, it, and they're setting them up more and more. I'm, I, I was reading about it in, in Ariana's book as well in the U.S. The zeitgeist really is 
to make this time for staff. It's better for their overall health. It boosts the, you know, a 30-minute nap boosts your immune system. And some extraordinary things happen, and particularly it's counterintuitive. The idea of having a, a, a small coffee before taking a nap. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought there was, I thought that was madness. But it's there's research from Loughborough, you know, sleep, the university on it about how if you have a little coffee and then a nap, the, it takes time for the caffeine to, to, to be absorbed. During the nap, your brain is having a chance to do its cleansing process. I'll talk about that in a second. And then the caffeine sneaks in in about 20 minutes. And by the time you waken, as long as it's not longer than 20 to 30 minutes, you feel more refreshed, more able to do whatever it is you're going to do. Your cognitive function is improved. They were, they were doing this research. In fact, the purpose of it was to see whether a light sleep if you're driving, would make you a better driver. Mm. Whether having a coffee and then a, a break, you know, pulling over, having a coffee, it would make you a better driver. And it turned out having a, na- a coffee and a nap, a short nap, made you a better driver. Uh, and that's where the research comes. But it, you know, it's very interesting. And someone's just recently coined it. I wish I'd actually said it, but I'll, I'll say it to you first because I doubt you've heard it. Nappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> Although personally, I think I prefer something like a, 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 a flat nap. Right, a flat, a flat wink. <laughs> exactly. Not even necessarily nap every day, but for those that are sleep deprived, let's say you've got jet lag or you've been up all night at a party, a nap the next day is going to reset you. Um, very powerful thing. So when I mentioned to my colleagues that I was speaking with a sleep coach, a sleep specialist, and someone who does it professionally, they were like, that's impossible. That's not a real thing. And I was like, of course it is. I mean, you know, why not? There's there's mindfulness training. There's all sorts of training to make us better people. Um, how did you do that? How did you end up being kind of like a sleep specialist? What do, you, what, do you, what do you specifically call yourself? Do you call yourself a sleep specialist or a sleep coach? No, I, I refer to myself as a sleep coach. I've been called sleep expert. I mean, I, 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 I've learned how not to sleep, perhaps to become expert at that. But I, I, as a sleep coach, part of my training I did here in London with uh, the, the, the London Sleep Centre uh, with the help of uh, uh, Dr. Ishad Ibrahim, who, who's the consultant psychiatrist for, for sleep there. And, I, and I've been on various courses and looked at CBTI, uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. I've looked at various methodologies. Uh, 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 sleep medicine isn't really specifically medicine in order to Medicate. I'm, I'm generally against medications, although sometimes people come to see me with all sorts of things they've been taking. But the goal is for me, for me and my ethos is to get people, help them to have natural sleep, and to get away from all the all the the, the, the pills and the you know, uh, and, and to get into a, a, a much cleaner way to approach sleep and to relax and and, and to then enjoy. So you, it. So you studied it. But did, what, why was it so personally interesting to you? Well, because I came from the position of having had insomnia myself, and then in the process of my work as a clinical hypnotherapist, and I was seeing more and more people for anxiety-related sleep difficulties uh, and insomnia, that I found that just hypnotizing people 
to have better sleep wasn't broad enough to help them to overcome the full issue, the full mm. picture. So then I started to blend teaching people how to do self-hypnosis and combined it with some of the other things that I've dis discovered, autogenic uh, sleep training um, and the mindfulness-based one is the one I, I, I like to teach and uh, that I've developed and I developed these in the course of developing my, my sleep programs that are on my uh, website and I, I, I had several apps that I mentioned I'm repackaging at the moment but you can the sleep programs I was developing several years ago uh, that have won awards both in the US and over here for, for helping people sleep um, I listened to I listened to your audiobook I listened to the ABC's the ABC's of sleep I liked it I'm sorry I, I liked it that's how that's how I got all my questions you know Ah, really? For I didn't sure. know that. So you've been learning the A and the B I and have. the C. I, I wanted to ask you about the relaxing the eyelids, but I, you know, I got to let the conversation. Please gotta, Let's we can talk. I, I, but I'm, I'm curious about both. I like hearing about your techniques, but I'm also really interested in like, in like the patients that you see, and like, what's the most difficult sleeping case you've had? You know, can we talk about that too? What was great about doing the thing at the nap station, actually, is that uh, it's really the first time I've ever had, it's like a, a walk-in sleep <laughs> So, you know, people were queuing up on the Saturdays that I was there, and I was just sit, meeting them, talking them one by one. Oh, there's another person who wants to talk to you. Here's another person who wants to talk to you. And I had people who had parasomnias, people who, you know, would, would wake up in the night, you know, paralyzed, um, and sort of terrified they couldn't move. I mean, that was an unusual one because, you know, um, some people don't sleep very deeply for a number of different reasons, and that has to be identified. But if when we sleep, we have there are different phases of sleep, and then the REM phase, which is, you know, the dreaming, uh, rapid eye movement, the, that phase of sleep, is also, interestingly, when, when we are the most uh, physically uh, disconnected, paralyzed from hurting ourselves in bed while we're dreaming, so you don't knock things off the table or punch the wall. So, so when people are in this sleep state, this phase, um, it is possible, particularly if they're if they're um, not um, um, going into deep state at all in the first place. There are things like uh, even alcohol inter interferes with sleep architecture. But some people just pop up; they're almost mid-dream. They're they're still dreaming, but they open their eyes and they know they're in bed, but they also find that they don't seem to be able to move. And for some, even bits of the dream are seeping into their waking experience. That's very unusual, mm. but it can be quite uh, uh, alarming. What's this called? What did you say this was called again? Well, this is one of the parasomnias, and, and it's it's a it's a waking uh, paralysis, mm. and um, uh, and rather than being completely alarmed by it, which is it is if you've never had it happen to you, um, it is to understand it first of all, and to know you know am I dreaming? Am I awake? And to know that you can just turn away, you can go back into back to sleep, 
or even, I mean, I've had it. I, 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 it can be in a nightmare, actually, because when people can pop up. It's not, it's not one of the best. We're talking about some of the more unusual and extreme ends of what I do. Um, you know, some of the more, you know, the, 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 another lady that's seeing me at the moment, she wakes every half an mm. hour. And, you know, we've eliminated almost everything that it could possibly be. Uh, and she's been seeing all sorts of people before she came to see me. And the only thing that we can truly identify what it is is that she just has a lot of anxiety, very low level, all of the time. And it, and it means that she just finds it almost impossible to get to deep sleep because she's got very high levels of uh, adrenal stress, cortisol, mm. that that makes it very difficult to fully, truly, completely relax and let go. That the, the 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 autonomic nervous system. I don't want to go off on this, but is in two parts, and the sympathetic, which is sounds wonderful, isn't is all to do with stress, fight and flight, coping with life's challenges, and uh, the parasympathetic is when we feel safe and relaxed, and when. Sometimes people see me for IBS and digestive problems, and they often have these problems because of the constantly on uh, sympathetic stress uh, mm -hmm. state. And um, teaching people how to relax and let go and to reset the, the, the autonomic nervous system back to the middle, really, because some people are literally, they have autonomic nervous system imbalance which is, if you like, why this lady is finding it so difficult to, to, to ever get to any depth of sleep because of her physiology. So she's going through a, a, a relaxation program daily as well as at night to begin to create regularly, more throughout the whole day, uh, a training for her and uh, to, to get physical relaxation. And also, uh, I'm helping her to, to, to overcome her anxious thinking because thoughts are the ones that cause the chemicals in the first place. So, like, let's take this case again. Can you use your, we, we mentioned, or I wanted to talk about the eyelid relaxation that you um, that you talk about in the yeah, ABCs yeah, of sleep. So, like, can you use that for this kind of case, like this woman, or is that the kind of thing that is too kind of general to help her? Absolutely. But and and, and I taught her to use the ABC technique, which in in its cut down version is to relax your eyelids to the point where they feel so relaxed they won't work, and then to spread the relaxation with the B, and then through the, the breath and through the body to the take her to that point where she is beginning to feel more and more deeply calm and relaxed. That's the first place to get to. Now, you know, if on the other hand, your mind is constantly in a circular mo motion looking for things to be worrying about, the next thing that could go wrong, what if thing all day long doing that, then it's probably highly likely these people take that to bed mm -hmm. with them. And uh, if, they're, if they're already in a sort of hypervigilant state and dreading going to bed because of another night of waking every 20 minutes, every half an hour, doesn't make you want to go to bed, does it? So the combination of sleep dread, or not sleep dread, actually, uh, it, there's a sort of needs to be a reprogramming. So they're learning how to relax is part of it. Learning mindful, you know, CB, CBT, really, mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. to understand and to recognize when one is thinking this stuff again and again and to observe it rather than just be in it and to see these thoughts like clouds 
and to be more interested in the sky between the clouds and to recognize that the thoughts are what make us feel, let's say, in those thoughts would be negative and therefore anxious and the feelings that go it's with like, that. So it's like you have, to, you have to take a step back. So you have to like be objective about your own thoughts. Step back and see almost as though your thoughts are coming in a loop by habit rather than even just consciously deciding to have anxious thoughts. Half of my work is getting people to wake up and to snap out of uh, a negative looped mind patterns, to become more present. And the other half of my work, and this is how I became a sleep coach, is helping people how to let go and become unconscious, to let to, to, and it's the most wonderful process that a lot of people are, it's so undervalued sleep. I mean, I think of sleep as a spiritual experience, well, it's a subjective thing, I think of sleep as where we let go into the universe. I think of sleep as well as the letting go process about getting out of the way. It, it, it's nothing to do, it's about just a wonderful opportunity to just release and to, to, to let go into the safety of relaxation that takes you away to, let's just say, the, the sea of dreams. I'd say the sea of comfort that leads to the sea of dreams. <laughs> right. Very, and it's right. And it's very calming. And it's, I, unfor unfortunately, I listened to it during the day yesterday. So I, it was, I couldn't go all the way into relax mode, if you know what I mean. Well, let me see. What do I got? I got, I have, we could do like a quick fire round. You want to do like a quick fire? Let's do five. Okay. All right, here we go. Quick fire round. Number one, what's the most common lie about sleep that we see in our daily lives? Wow, what's the common, most common lie about sleep that we see in our daily lives? Or what do you have to, de what do you find yourself most, most commonly having to debunk Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, it's, it, I'm still trying to think of the best way to answer the question. Um, that, that somehow there's some magic trick to sleep. That, either, you know, some people are ritualistic, some people, you know, they always have to, they have to have, I mean, I think routine is good, but the, the, the idea that you've always got to do one thing is, is, is I think sleep is effortless. There's nothing to right. do. Like there's no silver bullet. No silver bullet. And in fact, we're all different. So anyone who tells you the best way is this, it's, it's flawed from the moment they say it because we're not all the same. Right. All right. Number two, um, is there a healthiest sleep position? Like side sleeping, belly sleeping? Without a doubt, the side now seems to be showing to be the very best way, um, both for uh, the position of the spine, but also it seems that when we sleep or even nap, that the side position is the side that helps for the, the cerebrospinal fluid in the brain to, uh, for the brain to cleanse itself better in the side uh, uh, position. Okay. Does it matter left or right? It's an interesting question. I think that it doesn't really matter because no one just sleeps on one side. You look at any sort of you know time-lapse photography of people sleeping, they're on their back, they're on this side, they're mm -hmm. on the other side. Uh, some people sleep supine, all those things. But I, I think it, predominantly the, 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 the best side to sleep on from a physiology point of view, I, I, I understand, is on the left side. And that has to do with 
the, the blood pressure and the fact that your heart is slightly to the left and that by sleeping on your left side predominantly, it is better for your physiology and I believe it means that you're slightly less likely to have, you know, things like heart attacks and strokes. Okay. Cool. All right. Not to worry anybody. Right. Not to, right. All these all these stomach sleepers just just had a freak out. All right. It's just with stomach sleepers. They stomach and face, you know, on their face sleepers are the ones who are the most likely to grind their teeth. Really? Because mm, they're sort of they're they're kind of putting their head onto their jaw. They kind of into their face. You know, when I work with people who have um, you know uh, boxes and tooth grinding, I not only because one of the techniques is to get people to sleep with their airways open, heads tilted slightly back, mm-hmm. so the jaw naturally falls away from the teeth. Seems completely unnatural from someone who isn't used to that. But um, but between that and uh, and I like to do use hypnotherapy for, for for teeth grinding as well. That seems to be the best. Uh, I find that's the best way of of, of making the change so they, they don't destroy their teeth. <laughs> cool. All right, number three, pillows. Best pillow. Does it matter? Well. You know, I think pillows are very subjective. Um, I think that if you sleep on your uh, on your on your face, if that's the way you have to do it, I'd say you probably want to have quite a, a, a soft pillow because uh, you don't want to be having your head completely tilted back if you're sleeping on your face. But I think that side sleepers uh, and certainly uh, would would benefit from a, a reasonably firm pillow. Mm-hmm. Funny, the Eve sleep ones are unbelievably amazing. But there are others. All right, number, whatever number I'm at, four, I think. Um, How does it affect us to sleep outside if we decided to, like, sleep in the backyard for the summer or, I don't know. Is there a difference between sleeping outside or sleeping inside? It's a good question. I like that. Um, I recently went camping with my son, and I certainly think there's a big difference. And I'm sleeping in this tent... Um, and I'm so not. I haven't been camping for decades. So, and it wasn't. It wasn't quite summer yet. So nights were very, very cool. Um, and 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 uh, the, the coldness of the air on my face at that time of year wasn't for me ideal. But I did vaguely sleep. Honestly, I couldn't wait to get home to the luxury of my bedroom. Uh, I personally think sleep is for sleeping. Uh, the less disturbances there are, minimal light. Uh, definitely the room should become slightly cooler as the evening progresses when you fall asleep. Rooms that stay constantly at the same temperature, lots of people have sleep difficulties and not, you know, not falling, not having deep sleep. Ideally, a cooler room when you fall asleep. So, you know, look, sleeping out on the, on the patio or on the, you know, or on the roof if you've got a roof terrace mm. at a certain type of year in the middle of a heat wave uh, could be fantastic. But I wouldn't recommend it all year. All right. Um, when you went camping, did you? Sorry, this is a sub question. When you went camp, camping, did you? Did you bring your? Uh, um, what's it called? Mask thing with the, the closed out all light that you were talking about earlier. Very good question. And you know what? I so did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I here in my here I have a sleep box with a number. Not all eye masks are the same. I have probably. 10 different kinds, not earplugs, all earplugs are the same, I have 10 different, more than 10, there are even earplugs for, um, 
for 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 example, women a different size and width. It's not everything safe, but you know the channels usually narrow for women, and some earplugs for women where they can still hear a little, so they want to be able to hear their mm-hmm. kids, and or if you know, they want to hear certain sounds. But the one I like, the one with the with the uh, with the foam, that one uh, I definitely took it with me, and I definitely was glad when I was in my freezing cold tent. In my <laughs> That was the one luxury. <laughs> Other than the fact that I, I like to wear sleep socks, which I know is odd, but I'm very tall and the circulation to my feet. It's one of the things that, again, people have sleep difficulties they have cold feet. So when I'm doing the, 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 the going through the, all the different questions around uh, the environment and physiology, uh, it's to know whether people have cold feet when they sleep. There's a, there's a Seinfeld episode with George... George and Jerry are in a hotel room for some reason, and Jerry likes to, he's a feet tucker, he likes to keep his feet tucked, and George yeah. needs to kick off the the blankets. That's a, you can add that in your next book, or do some kind of deep, that's deep analysis. <laughs> I'll have to go and research it, but you know, if, uh, did you say George was the feet tucker? I think Jerry was the feet tucker. Okay, so if George liked to kick his feet out... George probably then for doesn't want to wear sleep socks either because he likes the fe- the air circulating. Right, right. <laughs> I have to say my wife is uh, warmer than me and she likes to kick all the stuff off and I I still like to keep the the the, 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 the sort of covers over the lower end of the bed so that my feet stay warm. I mean, God, we all have it's these so variations. It's so funny. Yeah. You know, it's amazing anyone can sleep the night with anyone else. <laughs> So, all right. So, uh, last one. What um, What's the one rule? What's the What's the one rule for 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 sleeping? Like Huffington has one rule: no phones in the bedroom. Like just hands down. Well, let's just assume that that's a given. Um, although there are lots of people who like to have their iPhone apps measuring and their you know their Fitbit and their right. And I'm not sure how you reconcile that, but I think ultimately good sleep, you don't need devices. You might use devices to learn how to sleep better, but ultimately it's like no one should listen to recordings to fall asleep every night. It's just learning. Then once we get past all of that and assuming that there are no phones, no, no electric stuff around you, I would say the best, the number one rule is never try to sleep. Sleep is... You, you, it's an effortless. You, you never try to sleep. You relax. It, you get out of the way, and uh, by getting out of the way, that's the way sleep sleep happens. You relax and let go. All right. Now that's that's a perfect ending. Great. All right, Ben. All the very best. Likewise. To you. I hope your night is wonderful. Thank you. We'll be in touch. All right, Ben. Very good. All See best. You. Bye. Bye. Today's Blinkist podcast was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, and Florian Tipp. Odie is back from vacation, but fighting an acute case of Terracrura, a rare post-vacation syndrome that resembles that feeling when you get off a roller coaster and try to walk straight for a few steps. If you're looking for more Blinkist interviews, check out our page on iTunes or SoundCloud, or now TuneIn, or your favorite podcatcher. If you haven't heard the Ariana Huffington interview yet, you're missing out. It was a really good time. We had a great chat. Find it on any of those places um, or our SoundCloud page or Blinkist.com slash magazine. You'll see it in the Sleep Edition. If you like what you heard here today, we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating on our iTunes page. You can subscribe to this podcast there. um, And if you just shared it and told other people, it makes a big difference. No matter what you thought, if you want to share your thoughts with me, just send me an email at podcast at Blinkist.com. 
Likewise, if there's a particular author or thinker you want to see on this show, that would be fun for me to hear from you, and then we can, you know, reach out to them. All right, then. That's enough of that. I really hope you guys enjoyed this. I had a great time. See you soon. Bye. Bye.